Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is the first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, everybody. Hey, Josh. And uh, we could not be here today if it wasn't for our trusty, dusty research extraordinaire, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, Jason. So last time we spoke, Christian, you left us inside a dark, dirty, scary garage. <laughs> with mice and with, stink bugs. With some stranger named Bill. Uh, <laughs> Bill Evil. All the way down in Nashville. Yes. Or outside of Nashville. Well, in Columbia, Tennessee. Did you know Columbia, Tennessee is known as Mule Town? I do now. <laughs> I did not know it either until I went down there and learned that Mule Days uh, happened while I was there. And apparently in World War I, uh, this was where all the mules came from. And so— Wait, mules weren't around well, until— <laughs> I think George Washington invented the mule. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, but but any in any case, I guess a, they supplied a lot of the mules for World War One, and so they have this big mule festival, Columbia, Columbia Tennessee, Tennessee okay. which is about forty five minutes south of Nashville. Which, thank the Lord, mm-hmm. is about an hour and a half east, no west. Of where my mom and my sister and her family live. Oh, look at that. Oh, such a blessing. Small world. Well, I'll get to that later. And um, so anyway, I'm in this garage, this very, very high-tech garage. You're going to be there for one week. And thankfully, it's green because at least green is a happy color. So it's not, you know, black. You mean the color green? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was green. So, uh, and Bill has, you know, lots of awards there on his wall from Courageous and Fireproof to let me know I have complete confidence in this editor <laughs> who's edited films before. Uh, that was encouraging. Did he, like, hand you one to hold? <laughs> <laughs> I should have grabbed one. Maybe that made me feel better. But um, anyway, so here we are, and we just spend the first couple of days trying to figure out what happened. What happened? What do we do now? Where do we go? Because you were unhappy with the, what, what do you call it, the first edit? Yeah, the f- assembly edit. The, the assembly very first edit. assembly edit of the first script. and So bad you broke down in hyperventilating tears. Yes, and thankfully my husband rescued me and said I could go for a week to Nashville. Okay. So I did. And so we got down there, and I realized that Generation Wealth was a real inspiration for me. The film. Uh, yeah. Terry Jun suggested I watch Sharkwater, which I did, and it was close, but it wasn't exactly what I was thinking about. Generation Wealth was closer. And, and if you plan to go and watch Generation Wealth, let me warn you, there <laughs> is some very stark imagery and it's dark story stuff. So it's not so kid-friendly. It's a very rated R film, which we discuss on the Movie Proposal podcast. Yeah, what episode? I bet you don't even know what episode that is. Uh, it's probably 56. So. Yeah, so there's a Generation Wealth episode that Josh did. So go listen to that. He'll let you. He'll give you his 10 cents. Inside scoop. Yeah. So um, so anyway, we're. I realized that I'm thinking that Julie's script has good bones. She's done a lot of research. She's picked out a lot of the quotes. Um I'm just going to try to take that and make it my story, you know, have my character, my – and so I start trying to do that, but I realize that it's not going to work. I realize I basically have to start over. And I keep saying to Bill, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write. And he looked at me. He's like, Christian, you are a good writer. You are able to do this. This is your story. And 
So I had never really accepted that. And I really was fighting it. I wanted to hire other people to do their job. And I tell them to do their job. Right, right. To do my story. And then we all kind of come together and we've done it. And that's just not the way this worked out. So I had to accept that I had to write it without ever having written a script before. And so I had to just start down telling my story with the pieces that I had. And... um My team was very confused as to why I had just gone up and left because I just made that decision. I was so upset. I didn't even talk to Terry, Corey, and Rick. I was like, (laughs) I'm just out of here because I I knew once they saw what I saw, they would totally agree with me. Mm -hmm. But the but I did make one critical error, and that was not telling them. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm super sorry. I was just really upset. But there was no time. (laughs) Yeah, it it was all happening so fast. And so, anyway, I get down there and I haven't heard from them. And they're like, Why in the world are you down here? And I was like, I've just, I've got to start over. And so, after a few days, I sent them the first thing I did, which was kind of the open. And they're like, Why are you working on the open? You should be working on the story. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay. But I, was, I really didn't know where to begin or where to start. And I, we didn't have an open, so I thought that's where I should start. Sure. Anyway, so I started working on the story and telling it in my voice the way I would tell it, accepted that I had to be involved in it in a deeper way than I had before. And um, I put together the first eight minutes. And I sent it to them, and I said, you guys— And I hadn't even shown them the assembly edit before. Mm -hmm. So I was like, look, here's the assembly edit. Here's what I'm doing. What do you want to do? Do you want to try to figure out how to salvage (laughs) this, or do you want to go with me on this? And, you know, Rick called me back, and he's like, you were right. We support you. What can we do? And so once I felt their support, um, that was super huge. Um, So I started down the road telling the story, and— That was great, hard, but good, until I got to the dark night of the soul. Ah, the dark night. Is this another movie? No, this is— it sounds like it should be a movie. It sounds like it should, but this is what was going on inside of my heart. Ah. And this is where I realized that I wasn't just going to be there a week. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first dark night of the soul. So wait, so how far—how many days have you been in Nashville at this point? So at that point, I was probably there a week. Okay. I was right there a week, and I'd gotten some stuff done, but there was just no way. I'd also realized how little Bill actually knew and understood of the story because he's just been up to this point editing on his own without really anybody, you know, anybody telling him much other than me remotely. Yeah. So I realized, man, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in time, I cannot go home. And I just kept trying to go week by week, but it took all six weeks in order for me to write the script and lay it out on the timeline. And it was a day-by-day thing. And we got to a point where and, – and, oh, by the way, I – you may be wondering – I mean, I'll just ask this question for myself. How did I afford this? How did I stay down there? Well, Weren't was, you curious? Well, well, I was curious. Where, do you, where were you staying? That was my question. <laughs> I, and then what did you do – I mean, what do you do – are you 24-7 on the film? You know, right. Because Bill's got a life, right? I mean, he does. He's married. He has kids. They cause problems all the time, <laughs> just like my own. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's he's got a life. So basically my plan for the week was I would try to find a bed and breakfast close by. 
I didn't know what I was going to do about a car. That was the big problem. But Bill said, well, you can borrow our car. So I found a bed and breakfast. Thank you so much, Cindy Statum Hesla. In Columbia, Tennessee, about 20 minutes from Bill, that was $25 a night. Oh, my goodness. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. It was just a bedroom (laughs) inside this farmhouse. And when I told her why I was there, because you're supposed to tell the Airbnb people, like, what are you doing there? And I sent her the link for my film. She wrote me back, oh, my gosh, I'm crying. My (laughs) uncle was a C-47 pilot that dropped paratroopers over Normandy. Wow. I was like, huh. (laughs) Maybe. This is the direction I'm supposed to be going. And it's so funny, you guys. Again, everybody, I'm always telling you this, but, you know, my faith sort of, I feel, keeps me grounded. And I feel like a lot of times the Lord just leaves me breadcrumbs about where I'm supposed to go, or at least confirmation that I'm going in there. And I felt like that's what this was. Um, She was so excited to have me there. It ended up being an incredible grace of God. She also is a Christian, excited about the film, wanted to help us. Um, So... After the first week, we became friends. I then, she wanted to go away, so I, in a sense, house sat for her and took care (laughs) of her animals. (laughs) It was a nice little exchange, and I think the whole thing, me staying away from, cost me probably $200 for six weeks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She waved a lot of things, and so it was awesome. The other blessing was, like I said before, my mother and my sister and her husband and their family live in McMinnville, Tennessee, which is an hour and a half east of Columbia. So on the weekends, I would drive to, I would drive to my family. Okay. And so I would stay with them on the weekend. And then one whole week when Bill went to the Christian Filmmakers Conference, I stayed in McMinnville for a week and finished writing the bulk of the script okay. during that week. So, um, so anyway, that's how I made that happen. Um, it, my husband gave me miles for the flight. Cindy Hessler gave me huge discounts on the Airbnb. And I recommend you look her up <laughs> in Columbia, <laughs> Tennessee. Great place to stay. Beautiful, beautiful Especially area. when it's mule time, right? Yes, it's mule time <laughs> and it's springtime. I got two springs, or I get two springs. We still haven't really had one officially here right. in Chicago, so that was nice. Um, but she would pray with me in the morning. She would. She told me she prayed over my clothes, which made me a little, you know, wigged out. But I was like, "Hey, what can it hurt?" <laughs> it's like that show, Tidy Up, right? You know, like, does, do these clothes bring you joy? <laughs> right. She prayed for my back and my knees. I mean, she was awesome. She fed me and gave me coffee. It was great. Um, and so that's how I made that living situation happen. And then. It got to the point, however, where I ran out of money for having to pay Bill. Now, we talked about Bill having a family, right? right. He's married. He does have four kids. or oh, he has five. One he adopted. So he, he, um, Ben is now 11. And he's got kids in college that can't seem to stay at college. They, they are supposed to be staying there, but they come home a lot, and there's all sorts of stuff. And he really needs to be with his family because they're still kind of younger. So he has to knock off around, you know, between 5.30 and 6.30 every yeah. day. Well, not me, right? Because I have a business back in Illinois, in Taylor Productions, and I have overhead, and I have to continue making money. So at the end of the day, when he would leave, I would record voiceovers or continue to write. So for me, there really was no downtime. I mean, I was up at you know five thirty six in the morning. I was working till ten eleven at night. I would sleep, but while I'm sleeping, I'm dreaming about the script. I'm lying in bed. I'm writing. I'm trying to figure out how to put pieces together. Like, it was literally, 
I really had very little time off. And um, I would try, I still try to maintain balance. So I would, um, Lynette Ebel is going to get a catering um, credit in the film because she fed me every night, you know, and sometimes lunch. And then my, I would eat meals with my mother and my sister and her husband and family. So I tried to have as much of a normal life as I could in Mm -hmm. the midst of that, touching base with reality and people and um, my own family. And um, that just continued on until I really didn't have money for Bill. And I thought, well, I guess this is the end of the road. <laughs> <laughs> We've come as far as we can go. Yeah, we did. And I am lying in my bed at night in my little Airbnb, and I have no money. And I'm like, okay, the next day I, I'm going to have to make a decision. And Bill comes to meet me. We're meeting for lunch. And he's like, Christian, I really think we need to call it. And I was like, Bill, I'm this close to calling it, too. I don't think that we're going to make it, but I think we need one more day. And I'm like, just stay with me one more day. Give me one more day. And he's like, okay. So we worked that day, and that night I'm lying there like, okay, Lord, here's the deal. If you do not, if, if you do not want me to continue this, I am fine with that. By this time, I'd been away from home for three weeks, almost four. I'm like, I'll go home. I'll put it behind me. I'll do it another time. But if you want me to keep going, you're going to have to solve this problem. And there's just no two ways about it. So show me what you're going to do. And then the next day, I go into the office, and something incredible happens. Uh, was she print of your clothes and money fell out of your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish, but that didn't happen. I'm sitting at a table, and I get a text message from my friend Nora Whalen, who'd already donated money to the film. And she said... You have more money in your account than you think you do. And I was like, what? I'm checking my account. <laughs> and there was $1,500 in there. I was like, wow, that's great. But that only really buys me like a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> so and then I get an email from this woman who had said she'd give me $15,000 back in November, I think, and never did. And um, she said, I've been busy. I'm sorry I haven't followed up, but I'm sending you a check for $25,000. Wow. And I was like... So both of those in the same day? Within 10 minutes of each other. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Within 10 minutes of each other. That's incredible. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. What did Bill say? I'm like, Bill, (laughs) you're going to continue to work on this film. But this time, like, this is like the fifth time he's tried to quit. Like, I'm not not kidding you. He feels so bad that I'm paying him because I'm not paying anybody else. And I'm, I'm... Paying Bill, and Bill's been important for me to pay because we have this relationship. I can't just have – it's such an intimate trust relationship with your editor, I feel. And and I needed to know he believed in me. He he needed to know I believed in him, I think, and we just had a good working relationship. So I've been out there fundraising for his salary because I knew he needs a job to pay for his family, and he couldn't just work for me for free. So – that's why I've been raising money, to pay for him so he can care for his family. And um, he just felt bad, and so he kept trying. He said, I'm not trying to quit. I'm trying to get you to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, by this time, I'm like, okay, do you accept that we are going? Because I had said to him the day before, I'm like, I've asked the Lord if he wants us to keep going to provide the funding. If he doesn't provide the funding, we'll call it, and I'm going home. I'm like, so, Bill, 
we're supposed to keep going. And he had to accept it. I mean, he sat there while I'm getting the text messages and the emails. Yeah. So he couldn't deny it. He knew I wasn't making it up. Right. Yeah. So um, that was a huge moment. I really call that the dark night of the soul because the next day we felt free to really throw ourselves into the film to the end. Yeah. And creativity flew, joy flew, ideas flew. I mean, like all this stuff started coming once mm. that barrier was broken and we started really trucking down the road. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I got excited and he got excited and so we'll have to finish the rest of it later because it, you know, of course didn't stop there. No, no, no. <laughs> and I think it's a great note to end on. Um, next time I want to hear about your experience from watching La La Land. Oh, right. It, it kept me going. Yes. It kept, La right. La Land kept me going. But see, but my point of bringing up La La Land because it kept you going is your story about the dark night of the soul and getting that email. Like, it's those kind of things that keep others going. Mm. Like, you know, when they're struggling through something and how do I know when to quit and Should well, do you remember forward? that scene in La La Land <laughs> where, where Mia is ready to cash it in? Yes. That was me. <laughs> All right, I want to hear about that on our next podcast, okay? So, right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. See you next time.